0: Now, open up your Bible with me to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. We've been going through the whole book of Ephesians. We are in chapter 2. We're actually going to be talking about verse 10. But to get you to understand chapter 2, verse 10, I want to review all the way back from Ephesians 1, verse 1, the entire portion that we've gone over since February. If you're ready, somebody say, I'm ready. I'm going to believe God that I can do this in the next 80 minutes. How many believe I can do it? Just a little bit short than an hour and a half. You guys ready for an hour and a half message? No, I'm kidding. Half kid. We'll see where we end up. We'd have a wonderful, had a wonderful time in the first service, and I think you'll enjoy it here as well. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So here we go. This is what God told us to study verse by verse starting in February of this year. We are now, like I said, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, learning about being made God's masterpiece. I want to review all of this so to catch some people up who have just joined with us since February, and then for all of us to understand How powerful chapter 2 verse 10 is because the book of Ephesians was meant to be read in one sitting. I read the Bible every single day. I make sure to put my face in his book more than Facebook. Are you listening? And so if y'all are reading your Bible every single day, you can read the whole book of Ephesians in 20-30 minutes just at one sitting or multiple times throughout the week. I am asking you to do that so that you can learn from the Bible. Many sermons from pastors come with one One verse from the Bible and then a whole lot of their stories. I could tell you about how I watched my dog die oh got hit by a car right in front of me oh and the car didn't stop oh, I could tell you a sad story about a dog and then tell you about how it changed my life but it really didn't but anyways I could tell you all that and just put one little verse on there one little verse that would make me feel special he promised never to leave me nor forsake me so even though my dog died in front of me and nobody cared Jesus is still with me go home congregation and live that message out this week I could do that or I could teach you the word of God when I teach you the Word of God, verse by verse, I am literally in the apostolic tradition of Paul. Paul is an apostle. He was once a Jew that was persecuting the Christians, but he had an encounter with God and became an apostle. An apostle is a church planner, someone that starts churches. He then had the churches throughout that region begin to have elders and deacons make new disciples. When he traveled to the next church, he had to send letters to the previous church to teach them how to have church. The churches, are uh, the letters, are the names of the cities. Ephesians is in the city of Ephesus. Corinthians is in the city of Corinth. And so what we learn is that Paul had an assignment. Do you know your assignment? Do you know what you're supposed to do? See, Paul was an apostle by the will of God. I should be able to look around here and ask you, what is the will of God for your life? Andrea should be able to say, I'm a teacher by the will of God. I'm a mother by the will of God. You should be able to say that. Ishmael should be able to say, I'm a construction worker, a project overseer by the will of God. My wife should be able to say, I'm a stay at home mom by the will of God. All single folks should say, I'm dating this person. By the will of God. Paul lived by the will of God. The people are in Ephesus, and you may get disconnected because it's 2,000 years ago and ancient people, but I think you can relate to them. You know what they used to like to do? They used to like to watch sporting events and the Roman gladiators and all of that. You like to watch sporting events? They also used to like to drink and party. Anybody here ever drink and party and do all those kinds of things? They also used to do crazy stuff like have temple prostitution. Anybody ever go to a temple and have a prostitute and do it in the name of your religion? Well, I guess they're a little more crazier than you. They actually had those things at that time, and you know what? They gave their hearts to Jesus. Paul preached to them, and they gave their heart to Jesus. So, Paul the Apostles writing them a letter, and this letter is called Ephesians because it's named after their city and it's an epistle. Apostles write epistles, those are letters to the people. In the New Testament, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are four gospels. You have the book of Acts, which is an historical account of the travels where the apostles went and started churches. You can learn about the city of Ephesus coming to Jesus. In the book of Acts, and then we have the book of Revelation at the end as a as a prophetical book. But all the books in between Romans, First and Second Corinthians, First and Second Timothy, uh, Titus, and so forth, are epistles that are written to the churches, and the majority of them are written by Paul. Now, listen to what he says about these people who used to literally have sex parties in their temples, who used to party uh, until they couldn't; they would puke their food up to party some more again look at what he calls them here he says to God 's holy people that is the Greek word Hagias where we get the word saint as we can learn in the in the uh, King James translation to the saints who are at Ephesus and he's not talking about the New Orleans football team he is talking about those people are now saints well what has happened to them? they are now the faithful in Christ Jesus everybody say in Christ Jesus. Thank you. And so when we started the sermon uh, series in the book of Ephesians, I wanted to give you a theme to understand the entire book of Ephesians, all six chapters. And the theme is in him, in Christ Jesus. Notice how I put it in bold there. And especially as you start to go through this chapter with me today, notice how many times it says in Christ Jesus, in him. So we are God's holy people because of what we've done? No, but because of what Christ has done. So imagine if your uncle was Bill gates and he said as long as you're in relationship with me you get to have an inheritance you get to have my wealth i'll give you the keys to the mercedes or whatever car he drives as long as you're in relationship with bill gates you have all that bill gates has as long as you are in relationship with christ jesus you are holy you're no longer a sinner you're not an ain't you're a saint you're no longer the naughty by nature you're the person that's made in the divine nature and you're faithful somebody say i'm faithful now, notice here he says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He is teaching us the Trinity right here as he gives the common Christian greeting. The Jewish greeting was shalom aleikum. Everybody say shalom aleikum. Shalom aleikum is the Hebraic way of saying peace be unto you. The Islamic way is assalam Alekum in Arabic. Everybody say assalam Alekum. Now, if you want to understand Islam, Islam is a joining together of Judaism, Christianity, and paganism. And Islam took that greeting and continues to this day. But you know what Christians add to that greeting, which the Jews and the Muslims don't have? That word grace. Somebody say grace. Because we believe you cannot have peace with God unless you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and the Holy Spirit lives within you. So how do we have peace? We have it through God our Father through Jesus by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so our common vernacular is to say, God bless you. God bless you. Most times you only hear when people sneeze out in public. But we around here may say, God bless you. But the standard Christian greeting is grace and peace. Grace and peace, my brother. How are you doing today? Grace and peace, sister. What's going on? All right, I'll see you later. Grace and peace. This is the idea that we are to remind each other that the grace is the gift of God for salvation and all good things. And then the peace is the Irene in the Greek. the tranquility, the wholeness, and in Hebrew, the shalom, the nothing missing kind of life that I have fullness in God, and I am at tranquil peace with him. Amen? And as we go on now, that's the introduction, verses 1 and 2. Now, 3 and 14, he's going to get his praise on. Somebody say, get your praise on. You see, Metro praise, we're praising his name. Come on. Come on. So I'm going to say Metro praise, we're praising his name. And y'all go, come on. Come on. Okay. Metro praise, we're praising his name. Come on. Come on. One more time. Now, Metro praise, we're praising his name. Come on. come on. All right. Y'all are there. See, he had to get his praise on. He had to start praising God. Now, listen to all the things he praises God for. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Right there, he starts off saying, I'm so thankful that in Christ, I have every blessing I'll ever need. Here's a fun historical fact. If you've been around for a while, you'll know this. Where was Paul at when he penned this letter? He was in prison. Thank you. He was not in Boca Raton, Florida, where my family is right now. He was not beachside in Puerto Rico. He is in prison. They caught him and put him in jail for preaching the gospel. And he's writing these people from jail. And in this place of jail and suffering, he is saying, praise God, I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Nothing can take away my relationship with Christ. And now at this moment, you begin to understand heavenly realms, trans dimensions. Everybody say different dimensions. You are a trans-dimensional being. Don't let sci-fi movies take away the truth of Christianity and have you believe it as make-believe. No, your spirit is a trans-dimensional spirit. Your spirit here, right? Right now, in matter, space, and time, interacting with your physical body. We call this your soul. But once you're born again, your spirit is intertwined with the presence of God. You are made in the image of God to plug into him and to transcend the physical dimension and enter into heavenly realms. Everybody go, ooh. And I got a great picture to describe this with because so often we think about ourselves just being here on earth. Well, that's going to come up later. Y'all ain't ready for that. That's going to come up just a little bit later. Don't want to make ladies stumble. But sometimes we think we're so far from God and that God is somewhere way over there. But the Bible says we are in heavenly realms. You are as close to God as the union of these two powers are together right here. You are intermingled with the presence of God. Here's another way to look at it. As much as divinity came into humanity through Jesus Christ is as much as divinity is in your humanity because of Jesus Christ. I'm still human, he's still God. I don't become one with the universe, man, and one with God like that. No, I'm still just a human, and he's still awesome God, but he gives me a taste of the divine nature. I participate with him in heavenly realms. Well, that's what I think the Bible says. Why don't you draw a picture if you can do better? But I think this kind of says it, doesn't it? Who blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Christ is in heavenly realms seated next to the Father, is He not? And if I'm with Him, then I must be there as well. But my body is here. Oh, what a mystery that is. Oh, but it gets revealed when we begin to understand the nature of the Spirit. The nature of the Spirit is not limited to matter, space, and time. Otherwise, it would be a physical object. But it is a non-physical object. The spirit isn't something you measure, isn't something you weigh. How much do your thoughts weigh? You ever measure those? I know some people are deep, and some people may have a deep mind. But can you measure the depth of your mind with a ruler? You can't. It's not in matter, space, and time. And so Jesus transcends matter, space, and time and lets us get a taste of heaven here on earth. Can I get an Amen. And so that's what Paul is praising God for. And then look at what he says as he continues on. Um, excuse me, go back up to chapter one. Let me show you here that Paul doesn't stop just with saying every blessing. He's now going to list out every single blessing. I was talking to my children. I said, What are you thankful for? And, and they literally like paused and they were like, I'm thankful for the house. And I was like, Wow, it took you a long time. So, so seriously. And then it's so serious. And then I went to the next one. What are you thankful for? Ahhh! Uh. Mom and dad, okay, you are awesome. It only took you 20 seconds. You know, and then I went to him and I go, I'm thankful for my eyes, I'm thankful for my feet, I'm thankful for my ears, I'm thankful for my hair, I'm thankful for my bed, I'm thankful for pillows, I'm thankful for sheets, I'm thankful for showers, I'm thankful for hot water, I'm thankful for my car, I'm thankful for tires that work on my car. I'm thankful for air conditioning, I'm thankful for heat, I'm thankful for my iPad, my computer, I'm thankful for the TV, I'm thankful for my wife. I said, You see how easy it is once you get started and you start. Start to understand you don't deserve any of this, and that by God's grace he's blessed you with all of this. And you see, it's the same way with Paul. He's like, I'm not just going to end it at verse three, I'm gonna tell you all what you should be thankful to about. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy. You all better be thankful he made you holy and blameless in his sight. Can I hear an amen? He did that in love. You should be thankful for that. So if I ask you today, what are you thankful to God about? Oh, I'm thankful for heaven. Can you think of anything else? I'm thankful I'm holy. I'm thankful I'm blameless. I'm thankful I'm made righteous. I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit dwells within me. I'm thankful for over a thousand promises in the Bible coming to pass. I'm thankful for my church. I'm thankful for my family. You know, you should understand those things that God has given you. I'll be going back and forth to these pictures, but I want you to see this. It says, I thank God for you that you have every spiritual blessing because God made you to be holy and blameless. Which image are you today? Are you the one that's always coming out of your problems Oh, pastor, I'm a Christian, and I'm just coming out of the cocoon of my problems. I'm just this, I'm just this, uh, you know, person on the works-based salvation. I'm a centaur for the Lord. I'm half human. I'm half animal. You know, on Sunday, I'm a Christian. I'm a saint. On Monday, I'm an ain't. This is my struggle, pastor. This is my struggle. God is always working. I mean, just get it off, get it off. This yucky flesh. No, 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 my friends. Meet the new me. Tada! Here I am. I'm a new creation. I've been born again. That's what the Bible says. He called to make us holy, to be, be, be blameless, to be righteous. And that's why I'm not like this. See, this, this is disgusting to me. It's gross. Not only is the dude gross, because even if he had pants on, he would be still gross. He's just a weird dude making a weird face. And I don't want to go further than that. Somebody got weird fetishes online making pictures like this. So, ladies, do not stumble. Cover your eyes if this is messing with your head. Now, listen, that is not who God made us, who God made us to be. We're Christ's body. We are Christ's bride. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Think about that. To be holy. Without blame in Him, and love. How do you see yourself today? Do you see yourself as some centaur creature? I'm a half sinner. I'm a half saint. I'm trying to change myself, Pastor. God's working on me. I Man, you got the gospel backwards. Then I don't know if you're listening to Second Flesh two eleven, but it says God's still working on me, and one day I'll be who He wants me to be because nobody's perfect, Pastor. I'm on a progress bar. I'm on a progress bar. I keep praying more and I get to 20%. You guys have seen this, but I still have people around the church talking like this. Is that what salvation is? Listen to what Paul said in another letter to the Corinthian people. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, similar language, you notice that, in Christ. The new creation has what? Come, the old has gone. The new is here. Am I continually in this kind of a process with God on the right? Am I continually getting the new or do I have the new? You see, this is the difference between believing in a works-based religion and the Christian relationship we have with God. Even divergent religions like Roman Catholicism are works based. You got to come to the priest. He has to make the bread and body, uh, the bread into the body, the, the, the grape juice into the blood of Jesus. They call this transubstantiation. And the priest has to feed it to you. And that's why Jesus, it looks like a subtle difference, but it's a huge difference. That's why Jesus is always on the cross in the Catholic Church because Jesus is always suffering and dying for you every time you come. And he's giving you his grace through the priest, through that communion. And if you're not coming to that priest in that church and getting that communion fed to you, you're not getting forgiveness. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Muslim believes I have to pray five times towards Mecca. I have to continue to fast. I have to do these things. No assurance of their salvation. You talk to the bike pedaling Mormon or the door knocking Jehovah Witness. No assurance of their salvation. You talk to the yoga expert who's continuing to believe in their karmic cycle because I got other lives I've lived and I got to work out the junk in this life. What goes around comes around because I want to be one with the you. you know me, one with Brahma. They have no assurance of their salvation. Mike 3.16 says, little by little, God is saving me. Because when I do my part, he does his part. When I do better, I become better. Is that the message of Ephesians or is Ephesians teaching us, what we'll get to in just a moment, Ephesians 2.8, For it is by grace you have been what? Saved. Am I saved now or am I waiting to be saved? I'm saved now. Through faith, this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. You see, this one makes it about human potential. This makes it about the cross of Jesus Christ that says it is finished. When Jesus was on the cross, what did he say? It is finished. Salvation is finished, my friends. Do you want it? Come and receive it by faith." come and be made new by the blood of Jesus Christ. We'll keep reading, and you tell me if it fits the language of Paul. Maybe I made something up. Maybe it's too good to be true. Let's keep reading the letter of Paul here. Let's see if it sounds like a progressive do-it-yourself self-help religion, or if it sounds like it is the faith of Jesus, uh, the blood of Jesus that changes us. So he says here, he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. He, in love, he predestined us for adoption. His son Through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. So, if we're adopted, that means before we were adopted, we were somewhere else. Orphans, I guess. Did you know you were an orphan before you came to Jesus Christ? The Bible says that we were under the bastard father of the devil. And I say that in King James. Read King James version of the Bible. Hebrews chapter 12 says that the devil is a uh, bastardizing father. And what a bastard is, is a child that does not have a father present. And it could be used a lot in this culture, could it not, where fathers are bums and don't take care of their kids. And we want fathers to get right with God and get right with their family. Can I hear an amen? And I thank God for all the single moms. Now listen, what is the bastard, What what the child who becomes a bastard, what happens? The father leaves them, forsakes them, doesn't care about them. Now watch this. The devil says to us in the garden, basically, you leave God, I'll be your father, and we'll be like gods together, ruling and reigning here. But the moment we disobeyed, we didn't become a god. We became fallen humanity. Destruction came to the earth. And we found out that Satan wasn't a good father. He didn't care about us. As a matter of fact, he used us as a pawn in his cosmic battle with the father. He only wanted to bring us down because he had already been kicked out with a third of the angels beforehand. He wanted us to get in that fight with him on his side to try to get back at God. And then we found out that he wants to steal and kill and destroy us. But thank God for Jesus, who was sent by the Father to adopt us. But there needed to be a payment for our adoption. You want to adopt a child overseas, it's going to be about $30,000. The payment for our adoption was the blood of Jesus a perfect human had to die for sinful humans. So God the Son who existed in eternity became a human to die for humans. And so he chose us before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight and love he predestined us for adoption, to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. So he loves us and he wanted to do this. Verse six, to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. What does grace cost you in the Catholic church? Going to the, com- uh, going to the priest and getting communion fed to you like a bird? What does grace cost you in Islam? Bowing down towards a rock in Mecca. What does it cost you in Hinduism? The crooked chicken. What does it cost you in Mormonism? Door knocking and going to the temple, being baptized for the dead. They are a crazy cult, okay? Listen, what does it cost you in Jehovah Witnesses? Knocking on doors, not getting a blood transfusion. What does it cost you in Christianity? It is free. Free. Grace is free and it's immediate in the name of Jesus. Free and it's immediate. Free and immediate. My relatives were Roman Catholic. I talk about Catholics in love. I have Muslim friends. I talk about it in love. Get out of the works-based religion and come to the free grace relationship of Jesus Christ. It was free, but what does Paul say it cost? Somebody had to pay. You know that things aren't free in this culture too, right? Right? When they say free college, you know somebody's paying for that, right? Uh, I think Illinois, we understand that a little bit, right? When people start talking about free in the election year and after they get elected as our aldermans or as our governors or, or as our senators, and what, what happens after they get elected, after they said all that free stuff? What happens to our taxes? Do they go up or do they go down? No, they, they go up because who's going to pay for the free stuff? So nothing's really free. And the grace of God may be free to you, but it costs somebody something. Look what Paul says, verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood. Imagine if for you to be forgiven of your mortgage, your parents had to die. Imagine that. Just imagine. The bank says to you, we'll forgive the $300,000 debt you have on this house if we kill your mom. Now, let's just say in some wicked world that actually happened. Now they said, here you go. Here's the payment. It's paid in full. You can own this house. How many now know you're going to take that house very serious because somebody died for that? Even an inheritance when somebody dies of natural causes and you get an inheritance, you kind of think of it a bit special. How do you think about the blood of Jesus? Is the blood of Jesus just a dirty old rag that you just use to wipe your sins on so you can just feel good for the day? And then you pick it back up whenever you sin and you sleep with your girlfriend or look at porn and just say, well, God, you'll forgive me because that's just what you do and that's why you die, just so I could be forgiven. Or do you look at your sin as hatred towards God, treason towards the king, and breaking the heart of your father? And so when you do sin, if you do as a Christian, you look at it like, God, I'm sorry. Read Psalm 51 if you want a prayer to pray next time you sin. You say, Well, my sins aren't that big of a deal, Pastor. I don't steal, I don't murder. How many sins did Adam and Eve sin to get kicked out the garden for this world to become the way it is? One. And what did they do? They did nothing but disobey, they took a fruit that didn't belong to them. Appreciate the blood of Jesus. I don't abuse the blood of Jesus. I don't have greasy grace. I have empowering grace that gives me the ability to live holy and walk righteous before God because I am made holy. Let's check and see if everybody understands this. Do I become a Christian by doing good works or do I become a Christian first and then do good works, A or B? Let's try it this way. Does my son get uh, born by doing good works or does he get born and then he can do good works? Why are people trying to become Christians by doing good things when God says you can never do enough good things to make yourself a Christian? It's like trying to give yourself a blood transfusion when you have AIDS. All you're doing is making it worse. It's like trying to fix a problem that you yourself have created, like in a computer, like a broken hard drive trying to fix itself. You can't fix yourself. You need to be fixed. You need to be saved. And then guess what? Then you can do good things. Then you can do holy things. I was born again. From a sinner to a saint, now I can live holy. Can anybody else relate to that? Did I do it out of my own human potential? Did I do it because I prayed more, did stuff, or did it happen because of the blood of Jesus? The blood of Jesus, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Everybody say all wisdom and all understanding. I want you to think about all wisdom and all understanding being found in Jesus. The Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the Greek, the word word there is logos. It's where we get the word logic. It's a good play on words to understand. In the beginning was logic. In the beginning was logic. He said, I am the way, the truth, eletheos. Everything that corresponds to fact and reality is in Christ. Let me get deep with you right now. You will never be the doctor, the lawyer, the candlestick maker, or the baker until the kind of one that God wants you to be until you put Jesus first. We as a culture are nincompoops compared to the Enlightenment period. Sir Isaac Newton figured out physics without a calculator and now every atheist uses his formulas to try to disprove the God who put everything in order. Everything you find with a microscope and a telescope teaches you about your God. He is a God of order. He is a God of design. Everything you see from a mountain to the depths of the ocean shows you the beauty of the artistic ability of our God. And yet we now want to stand in the face of God with a computer and a laptop and a cantaloupe-sized brain and say, I'll take it from here, thank you very much. We need to understand all wisdom and understanding come from Christ Jesus. It is because of his grace that even the atheists can abuse his wisdom and try to disprove him. They have to sit upon the lap of God to slap him because without him there would be an ant at his feet. God allows us to be made in his image as fallen sons and daughters born again, sons and daughters, once adopted, but sons and daughters, nonetheless, of Adam and Eve with intelligence. He allows us to borrow his air, borrow his oxygen, borrow all the understanding that we've already been given by that nature, and some of us dare to doubt him. Is it okay to have doubts? Yes, but doubt your doubts. Somebody says, man, I question everything. Okay, I question you questioning everything. You have an answer for that? Or an easier way to say it is, I question everything. Why? Why? You see, man contradicts himself. He says, you know what? I don't believe in absolute truth. I just believe every person determines their own truth. Is that absolutely true? Yes. So then it is absolutely true that there is absolute truth that everybody can make up their own absolute truth then. They don't understand. The Bible says God catches the fool in their folly. All wisdom, not just spiritual wisdom. Every look up at me, please. All wisdom. Wisdom on how to do agriculture found in Christ. Seek first the kingdom of God and all things will be added unto you in his righteousness. All wisdom. Military wisdom. All the wisdom of the world is found in Christ. You say, Pastor, how do they find it with all these other religions, all these other worldviews? Because they borrow it from God and they don't go to the depths of it. I'm telling you, we can experience an enlightenment, a time of extreme growth in science and in medicine if we start praying before our jobs. If we start having the Bible as a part of our research if we start to stop and take a minute to think about the world through God's ways. Think about the mother, how much better she'll be when she puts her trust in God as being a mother. Think about the construction worker. Think about the politician, thank you Jesus, who actually when he swore upon the Bible read that Bible. You see, that's the truth that we need to understand. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. What is the mystery of God's will according to Paul in Ephesians? It is that humanity was broken up to uh, two types of people. There's one race, the human race, but there were two types of humans, the ones that Adam and Eve, uh, the ones that came through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then there were the others. And God said, those who came through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will be my special people Jews. Once again, one. Race, the human race, but this is a culture of humans, and here are the places where I'm going to reveal my laws. Here are the places where I'm going to do great things among them, and then the other ones will be the Gentiles. And now, through Jesus, He says, I don't just want the Jews, I also want all the nations. Can I hear an amen? Now, let me just help you understand how important the mystery of His will is. No culture can save you. So let's just start with me, the white guy who has all the privilege, right? So let's just start with me. Let's just say we had a time machine, beep, boop, beep, beep, and we just show up to Rome, where all my privilege came from, and we meet the Roman soldiers. So every place we go, we're going to meet the people in charge, the Roman emperor, or whatever. Okay. So we go there to Caesar. The first thing he's going to do is bow down. I am your God. Caesar says, "I am your God." Well, I'm Italian. Don't I get favor here? No, I'm your God. Bow down. I'm going to say I only bow down to Jesus Christ. He's going to say burn them alive in the arena right now for fun so everybody can watch them burn. They would set us on fire. Roman candles. Roman candles was a torture device of Romans pouring gasoline, impaling people, pouring gasoline on them and lining them on the road. That was the way they treated people they didn't like and that was a warning to you. And they loved to do it to Christians. They lit the roads with burning Christians. Oh, that didn't work. Well, let's pick out one of your cultures. Any, meaning, money. Oh, let's go to Mexico. What to the Aztec, Inca, South America? You show up. Oh, I love you. I love you. Oh, I love your culture. Indigenous Day. Oh, look at the pyramid selfie. Is this emperor your god? Is this your god? Yes or no? Are you are, are you in our tribe? No, God is my only God, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Take out their heart, set them on fire, and sacrifice them to our gods. Let's go to the African tribes. Maybe they'll be a little bit different, right? No, is this tribal leader and this witch doctor your God? Are these the ancestors you pray to? My friends, no culture will save you. Only Jesus Christ saves. No man but the God-man. I'm here today to tell you the mystery of God's will is that Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to everyone who believes they shall be saved. Every nation needs to bow its knees to Jesus Christ. Every tribe, tongue, and language will be represented in heaven. And we will say, Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb that was slain. It's not about man. It's about the God, man, Jesus Christ. I will meet you at the cross. Red, yellow, black, and white, they're all precious in his sight. And then through that, we can bring about social change as the reverend, reverend, not the atheist, the reverend Martin Luther King taught us to take godly principles and apply them to our culture. Amen. And he says he's going to show off this mystery of the new humanity, which is next week's message, by the way, is the new humanity about how God is creating in us a new person and all of these nations and tribes who will then become the one nation with the Israelites to forever rule and reign with Christ. Can I hear an amen? And that's going to happen, the Bible says, put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, that's judgment day, to bring unity to all things in heaven and earth under Christ. All things are coming under Christ. Amen? Now, look at the beauty of this. This is a plan that God has always had. Even though mankind sinned, God allowed the plan to go forward. Why? Because if he would have judged us and condemned us based on the sin of Adam and Eve, we never would have been redeemed. And I say this all the time. When people say, well, why does God allow evil? And I say, you want him to get rid of it? Sure. Okay, he'll start with you and get rid of you and throw you out with the trash then. Because you're pretty evil. You're evil, you've told lies, you've taken things that don't belong to you. So God had a choice with Adam and Eve. He can take evil out of their hearts or he can take them off the planet. Aren't you thankful God let human history go on? Because now we're here, we get to know him, we get to love him. And in the illustration, I just, say, I just think evil is one big illustration to say don't do it any other way than God's way. I'm not saying that bad things happen to good people because it's their fault. No, when my wife and I got into a car accident her ankle broke, we had to get rushed to the hospital. I'm not saying that's because we did something wrong. I don't believe in superstition or karma. Bad things happen to good people all the time. But what it teaches us is is that we weren't meant to be in a world where legs get broken. We weren't meant to be in a world where people steal our minivan out the back parking lot. We were meant to be in a world of perfection. But we, as Adam and Eve, the human people, decided to choose sin and be in charge. And this is what it looks like when we're in charge. So now Jesus came to die on the cross so he could be in charge and not send us all to hell. And whoever lets him be in charge gets to rule and reign with him for eternity. So the kingdom of God, that's what we're supposed to pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, starting with me to go through me. Can I hear an amen? So in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan. Somebody say it's all going according to the plan. God is not freaking out. It's all going according to the plan who works out everything in the conformity with the purpose of his will. It's God's will that sinners go to hell. That's going to work out to his own glory. It's to God's will that saints go to heaven. That's going to work out to his glory. Do you want to be on the sinner's side or the saint's side? Okay. The Bible also says in Romans, guess where that letter was written to? The people of what? Rome the book of Romans written to the people of Rome right my Greek father-in-law is from Thessaloniki guess what book of the Bible two books of the Bible are named after Thessaloniki Thessalonians that you guys are getting to the book of Rome uh, to the people of Rome Paul wrote this all things work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose when I come into the purpose of God nothing can separate me from his love amen in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. So these apostles put their hope in Christ first. But it doesn't just stop with them. Go to verse 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. How many are included in Christ today? How many are glad he didn't stop saving after Peter, James, and John? But how did we get saved? Did we get saved by our good works? No. We got saved when we believed. When we what? Come on, somebody say, when we believed. Now go back to that first part of Ephesians. Look who he's talking to, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus, and to the what? To the faithful in Christ Jesus. I come in through faith, I can leave through unbelief. No sin will take me out of God's hands. No sin. I am marked with the Holy Spirit sealed. But if, like Judas, I want to stop believing in him and go hang, him, hang myself, he'll let me do it. What's the difference between Peter and Judas? Both of them denied him. Both of them betrayed him, in a sense. Peter did it probably more times, three times, right? The thing is that Peter repented and Judas quit and hung himself. As long as you are alive, you have a chance today to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the God of second and third chances. And there's something interesting there when Jesus meets Judas. He says, friend, what have you come to do? Jesus called his enemy friend at the last moment. He wanted to give him a chance, even then, to repent. And so the good news is is that faith is the free gift that all of us have. You have faith to sit on that chair, that it's not going to fall down. You have faith today to believe that tomorrow is going to be like today. So you're not selling off all your your goods. You actually believe the conformity of nature continues on. You believe the sun's going to be out there when you go to see it. And the reason why God built this into our life was so that we could trust him even when we don't see him. Even though I don't see the sun in the night, I know the sun is coming. Even though I don't see the air that I'm breathing, my lungs know it's there and keeps breathing. And even though I don't always sense God's presence or feel him, I know he's with me. He'll never leave me or forsake me. And he's promised, hallelujah, that I am sealed with the Holy Spirit. And there's the Trinity. God the Father sends the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Son raised from the dead, went went to heaven, sat down next to the Father, and then he sent the Holy Spirit. You all remember that? In Acts chapter 2, he sends the Holy Spirit. So how does Jesus live in my heart? Does he live in that organ that pumps blood through my veins? No, he lives in my spirit. By the Holy Spirit. That, That Holy Spirit that can transcend dimensions between heavenly realms and the earth, My spirit is in union with him. How many can say amen to that? He is the redemption. Look at this. Or excuse me, verse 14. He is the deposit, talking about the Holy Spirit, guaranteeing our inheritance unto the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Somebody say, I'm secure. No one can take me out of God's hands. I am secure. Now, we talked about the introduction, verses 1 and 2. Paul says, I'm an apostle. This is what God has called me to do. I'm writing to the saints who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Then verses 3 through 14, he says all the things he's thankful for. Basically, what is he thankful for? That in Christ we have all the spiritual blessings that we'll ever need, that Jesus' blood has redeemed us, forgiven us of sins, and there is a hope beyond the scope of our human limitations where one day we will rule and reign with him as trophies of his grace. The last thing the devil and sinners will see are the saints of God ruling and reign upon this earth. Amen. Now he's going to go into his prayer. Look at what he prays. And I'll read it all together so you can get his prayer here. For this reason, since I heard about your faith. Is it his? Is he thankful for their grandma's faith? No. He's thankful for your faith. It's got to be your faith. It can't be your grandma's faith, your mom's faith, your dad's faith. Somebody say my faith. Thank you. He says, since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people, I haven't stopped giving thanks. Thanksgiving for you, remembering you in my prayers. Now, what is he praying? Listen to what he prays. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit. See, look at Father, Son, Spirit. I keep asking the God, God the Father, of our Lord Jesus, the Son, by the Holy Spirit to do what? To give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Everybody say, know him better. Amen. The goal of life, and not only just earthly life, but all of eternal life, is to know Him better. Have you ever taken your phone as a video camera and pointed it towards a mirror? Have you ever seen the infinite? Have you ever done that? Some of you are looking at me crazy. I almost want to find it on Facebook, but it will take too long. If a camera looks at the mirror, it will reflect itself right back to the camera. But the moment it does that, It then now has in the camera the image of it reflecting itself. So then it sends back into the mirror an image of it reflecting itself, and then it will do it again and again and again. And within a second, you'll get a taste of the infinite. It will go on and on and on and on and on until your eyes cannot see the images being reflected. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, if you don't, look it up on Facebook. Look it up, camera and mirror. We will be looking at the image of God back and forth. Back We'll see him, and then we'll see him in us, and we'll learn something and contemplate it. And the moment we do it, we'll come back to him with that knowledge. And then he will send back to us a new revelation of who he is based on the knowledge that we just had. And then based on that knowledge, we will come back to him with another question or another insight. And then based on that new knowledge and new insight, he will re- raise the standard again with new knowledge and new insight. And it will continue like that for all of eternity. God will never get boring. God will never get old. Are you bored with God now? Do you not have time to pray and read your Bible every day? Paul's number one prayer request for these people is that they would know God better. He says, I want you to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you will know him better. And here's my prayer for you, that you will know him better in every part of your life. That as a parent, you'll never be satisfied with how you see God. You'll always want to see him more as he teaches you to be a better parent. That as you go to your job, you'll literally want to be there and come up with inventive and creative ideas to think the mind of Christ on that job. That when you see the nature, I'm telling you today, it's like I have childlike wonder. I, I feel like I'm watching fall for the first time. That when I see the nature, I literally just stared at the trees the other day as I was walking, and I said, how do they know? to do this to survive and how does the grass know to do what it does and how do these birds know to fly and I just got caught up in a sense of wonder and I just want to tell you God wants you to ask him for wisdom and that wisdom will also bring you revelation revelation means that you can see things better I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened by Buddha's teaching through, through fortune cookies. No, that you may be enlightened by just what you learn in school. No, I pray that you may be enlightened in order that you may know these three things, the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance, and the incomparable power he has for us who believe. Somebody say hope. Somebody say glorious inheritance. Somebody say power. Paul is saying I want you to know him better in those three ways. To have hope every day you get up. I know God's with me no matter what happens. It's okay. To know his glorious inheritance. To know that what Bill Gates has and what Trump has is only for a breath of time. We will be here for eternity with Christ. It's going to work out in the end. And that you will know the power that's that's on the inside of you. And listen to Paul as he's a good preacher. He says here at the end of verse 19, That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the heavenly realms far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion. And every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Look at your neighbor and say, you've got some power on the inside of you. You literally have the power of the resurrection on the inside of you. Has anybody ever heard the scripture before? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Has anybody ever heard that there is no weapon formed against me that can prosper? Why are those things true? Because you're in Christ. You are in unity with him today. You are the workmanship of God. That is Paul's point. He is saying, as Christ was raised from the dead, is how your life has been changed. And in verse 22, it says that God gave him all this authority. In verse 21 in verse 22, God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Should we take church lightly, my friends? No, you have here the body of Christ. We are the representations of what God is doing upon the earth. And as the body of Christ, we're also the bride of Christ. Amen. Okay, we went through chapter 1. Everybody take a deep breath. (sighs) Y'all made it. Uh, All I'm doing up here is just sweating and preaching, and you guys are doing all the hard work, right? You had to listen to me for all that time. Man, you guys are awesome. Okay, now now listen, now listen. Here we go. Get chapter 1. Get it get it, here it is, Paul says I'm an apostle by the will of God writing to the saints at Ephesus who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace be unto you, I thank my God and Father who has blessed you in the the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ he names those things off that he's thankful for that they have been given redemption that they're called to be holy and blameless and that there is a time coming when Christ is going to show off what he has done on the inside of everybody and then he starts to pray for them and he says I'm praying for you, I'm giving thanks because I know you believe in God, I know you love god and love people and i am praying that you will have wisdom and revelation that you will be enlightened by the holy spirit in your heart that you can have hope no matter what you go to you'll have hope you'll know the riches of the inheritance that's waiting for you and you'll have power because that power is coming to this earth and it's starting in the church y'all get y'all get chapter one look at your neighbor say that was just the introduction now, the introductions are, lo- are longer than my closing, but that's what we've been through. Every single one of those messages are online. All of them. You can go to the website. Now, you remember we've been in chapter 2. You all remember this, right? Now, watch what Paul does here. Watch him take a little turn. You see, what he's doing is setting up the conclusion of chapter 2, verse 10, which is today's verse. He's, he's setting it up. Because after this, he has another thought. So you could basically, you know, chapters and verses were added by monks as they were translating the scriptures. They were not put there by the original writer. So Ephesus, when they got the letter, it's just one letter, you would just read it as you would a message on Facebook, okay? It was meant to be read in one sitting. That's why I'm asking you guys every week to at least read it one time. And like I said, if you read your Bible every day, it's not that hard to read the book of Ephesians. Or you could just take a chapter and read it every day. But now watch this. He now stops right here, period, and he starts a new sentence and he goes, As for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins. Don't you start thinking you're better than what you are. Because without Christ, you're nothing. Just imagine as I went to the water park with my children, the water was flowing down. There's a part where there's a waterfall, and you can get in it and you can come out of it just imagine there's a waterfall of just the grace of god you can step in it and you can step out if you want when you step in everything is changed you are made holy perfect and righteous that's how he sees you you're covered by the blood of jesus but if you ever think like i'll take the wheel now jesus i got this thing i've read my bible i don't kill nobody i'm just going to step out and handle this on my own he says remember where you came from you were dead in your transgressions and sins In which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world. Uh, Ephesians, y'all were some crazy people. And the follow and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who's now at work in those who are disobedient. So it wasn't just because they were so crazy, it's because they were sinners. Think about it like this: I don't get holy because I do holy things, and I didn't become a sinner because I sinned. Think of it. I do holy things because God makes me holy, and I sinned because I was born a sinner. It says, all of us, verse 3, used to live among them. Well, Paul, I wasn't that bad. I wasn't going to the temple prostitutes. No, no, no. Listen to how he clarifies this. All of us used to live among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh. You ever sin according to your flesh, what your flesh wants? You ever listen to gossip? You ever have selfish ambition? You ever get jealous? You ever tell a lie to make yourself better? You ever take something that doesn't belong to you? Have you ever said the name of the Lord in vain and blasphemed as a child? Did you ever disobey your parent? So before you start shaking your finger at God and Adam and Eve going, it's not fair, I was born in this mess. Look at what you've done to contribute to it. That's why everyone is guilty now. Be thankful for a Savior because all of us lived among them at one time. If you cannot say, if you cannot sing amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, you can't be saved. God does not save good people. I'm a good person. Then I'll just add Jesus to my life. You know, it's like me talking to my wife on the phone about the new van we want. Well, Nancy, they got they got this van that actually has a sunroof. We'll feel like we're driving the convertible when we got all of our kids. Just a little bit extra money, though, but we'll have the sunroof. Oh, and then, honey, they, they have a vacuum built into the van. A little bit extra, but we'll have that. Well, how much is it going to cost, right? You see, it's an upgrade, but I still can get the van. My wife will say, well, can we still get the van without the sunroof and without the vacuum cleaner, oh yeah, you can get the van without that. See, some people think I'm good without all this because I still am a good person and and all of this is for you crazy folks Is when I get to heaven, God's obviously letting me in and, and the Bible's literally telling us, no, you're not. No, This is not an upgrade. And the, and, and the example of the minivan, this is you having nothing, no thing good inside of you. Read it. Read the Bible. Romans chapter 3. No good thing is inside of us. All of us have turned to, to our own wicked ways. None of us are righteous. All of us are wicked. All of our good works, the things that we think we're going to show God in judgment day, are like women's rags when they go through their monthly period. He says are like filthy rags. And it's a woman's rag. That's exactly the disgusting nature he told us in this Isaiah chapter 1. But this is what he says. He says, though your sins be disgusting like that, I will make you white as snow. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. All oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. Look at what it says. Following the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of what? By nature we deserved what? What? wrath. John 3.16, famous scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You ever read the John 3.18? Look what John 3.18 a few verses down says, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. The light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Do you understand by default we are born evil? You say you don't believe me. Well, I don't know how many children you have, but I have five. I'll tell you by default what they're set to. No one teaches my children how to lie. I have to teach them not to lie. No one's ever taught my children how to be selfish, but I got to teach them to share. No one's ever taught my children how to say no, but i got to teach them how to say yes in humility and be obedient. No one literally has ever taught my children to fight each other, but I have to tell them to get along and be at peace. What would happen if we let children raise themselves? What kind of wickedness would they devise? It is the parent that has to teach their children not to break God's law because it's already natural to break God's law. We're condemned already. We were deserving of wrath. Do you get Paul's point here? Now watch what he says. Oh, I love this part. But because of his great love for us. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ while we were dead in transgressions. Because he saw our human potential. Jesus saw how good we would be. No, he didn't do it based on human potential. He saved us by the grace of God, and he raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in order. Why? In order that in the coming ages I can show off how good of a Christian I was? No, that in coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in kindness to us in Christ Jesus. The last thing sinners see on their way to hell with the devil and the fallen angels is glorified sons and daughters. And Jesus says, grace wins. You thought you had them, Satan? Grace wins. I didn't have to force them in. They came on their own. Even in a world of wickedness and pain, they trusted me like Job. And now they get to be my trophies of grace. I want us to read verses 8, 9, and 10 together. One, two, three. For it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith, this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Y'all get it? I am God's handiwork. You are God's masterpiece. You were created for this. You were created to have a relationship with God. You have desires that are unmet that only God can fill. It's like a God-shaped hole that only He can fill. And He's telling you, it's not your flesh that can do it. It's my spirit. And then we admit, we can't do it, God. God, it's like you're asking me to fly 30,000 feet in the air with my arms. I can't do it. But what does He say? Here's a 747. Here's my grace. Hop on in. I'll take you there. All aboard. Well, God, I can't change myself. I've sure tried. He said, well, let me work on you. I'm awesome at making holy, blameless, righteous people. Well, God, how am I going to do all these good works? I don't know how to stop cussing. God, I don't know how to turn off pornography. God, I don't know how to forgive my enemies because they sure deserve my hatred. God said, I got you. I got you. Before there was ever a problem, I was the problem solver. Before there was ever sin, I was the sin forgiver. Before there was ever a work to be done, I was the preparer of the good work. I've gone ahead of you, and I've made a path for you in every situation to do the good work. I've made a path for you. And that's why today we reject the idea that we're still being worked on. Those who are saved are truly born again. We're not being in some progress bar. No, we're saved by grace through faith, and it's the gift of God. Today we're not trying to perfect ourselves. We're receiving the new creation. We are not a half sinner and a half saint like some disgusting centaur. We are the beautiful, blameless bride of Christ. We are those who Jesus loves and calls His body. And today, as Paul said, we are in heavenly realms, blessed with every spiritual blessing in union with Jesus Himself. That's what He said, and I believe it. And so today, I've added all of these other scriptures. You guys can go back and read in case you didn't hear enough today. But in the Old Testament, the prophet said, God was speaking, saying, I'll give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit in you. This is the masterpiece. I will remove from you a heart of stone. I'll do it for you. Have you ever tried to do a heart transplant on yourself? How do you think that will go for you? i just take it out. He says, I will remove the heart of stone, give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you. To follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. It says here in 1 Corinthians 6.11, they were a crazy bunch too. He says, that's what you were. You guys. He even says, you guys were homosexuals, you guys were prostitutes, you were robbers. I mean, you know, Corinthian people were just as crazy as says the Ephesus people. He says, that's what you were, but you were washed. Somebody say, I was washed. Somebody say, I was sanctified. Somebody say, I was justified. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, by the Spirit of our God. Look at what Paul said here. He said, if anyone's in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. And a few verses down from that, he says, God made him, talking about Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. You were saved by grace through faith. You're the workmanship of God. We're going to get to Ephesians 4 pretty soon. You've heard it, but I'll say it again. You were taught in your with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, to put on the new self, to be made new in the attitude of your mind, which is created to be like God and true righteousness and holiness. How are you supposed to be created? To be created like who? Like God and true what? And what? Have you been created to be like God? I was born again, created to be like God. I was born naughty by nature, but born again into the divine nature. Look at this. How many know Christmas is coming up? God became man. Do you know that's what Christmas is all about? God becoming man? Colossians, another place. Where do you think the city's called here? You gotta try a little hard. Think about it. Colossia, Colosia, depending on how you pronounce it. For in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. When we look at that progress bar, from 0% to 100%, how much of deity was in Jesus? How much percent? Now look at verse 10. 100%, was in, in, 100% of deity was in Jesus. Now in Christ you have been brought to fullness. How much of God is in me right now percentage wise? As much as, amen, as much as deity was in the flesh of Jesus is as much as Jesus is right in here, baby. How many have pure souls today? How many souls have been purified? Peter is one of the guys writing some epistles. He says, having purified your souls by obedience to the truth from a sincere brotherly love, love one another with a pure heart. Anybody got a pure heart? Because you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seeds, through the living and active word of God, abiding word of God. Look what also Peter said. He said, you've been given all these great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, that interminglement, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. How many times did Jesus die on the cross for me? How many times do I need to be perfected? Once. Look at the scripture. Not my words, the Bible. Hebrews. For by one offering, he has perfected for all time those who are made holy. Why don't I have to go to the mass and see Jesus suffer again and eat his body and literal blood again? Because he only had to die once. He said it is finished. How many times do I get perfected the first time I was born? Again, by the Spirit. How many times does my son have to be born to be DNA, a son of Joe Y. Rostic? One time. That's who I am. Now I'm holy. I'm going to live like it. What if I sin? I'm going to repent. I'm going to take sin serious because that's not how I should live. I'm going to be holy because I was made holy. I'm going to be righteous because I was made righteous. I'm going to act like a child of God because I was born again a child of God. How many believe that today? Amen. Would you close your eyes in prayer as we close? Thank you for your time and your patience. Band, altar workers, come please. Let us pray privately before we pray together. Right now, would you center your heart on the things that you've been taught? Do you believe the scriptures today apply to you? If you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I don't think I'm born again then. I haven't experienced that. I don't have the Holy Spirit in that way in my life. It's very simple. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I believe. You're my Lord and Savior. The Bible says when you believed, you were marked in him. You were included with the apostles. So right now, you can have the faith of the apostles, the faith of all Christians if you just say, I believe, Jesus, you're my Savior. And then confess whatever sins you've committed against God and watch how quickly he'll forgive you and pour out his love. As they're doing that right now, those of us who are Christians, check your heart. Is your heart pure? Is your mind right? Are you in the new attitude? Are you living holy and blameless? If you're not, you're living a contradiction. You ever seen Coming to America when the prince worked at McDowell's as a janitor? That's what you're like. You're taking on a position that you're not supposed to have. I'm not supposed to live like a sinner. God gave me free will. I can still do it, but that's not my position. I'm supposed to live holy. So if you're here today as a Christian and you would say, Pastor, I'm not living up to what God made me to be repent right now ask him to forgive you ask him to forgive you he'll love to do it right now if you're a prodigal son or daughter God will welcome you home right now we're not going to call you up we're not going to embarrass you I want you to pray privately just right now whether you're a person that needs to become a Christian or a Christian that hasn't been living right make it right today and then all of us are going to begin to thank God for being a masterpiece the handiwork the new creation Next week we're going to talk about a new humanity, the humanity that's going to live longer than all the people here. We get to raise again like Adam and Eve, uh, like uh, Jesus did from the grave, and we get to rule and reign. what Adam and Eve lost, we get back in Christ. Come on, heaven's coming to earth, people. Jesus' prayer of the kingdom coming and the will being done on earth as it is in heaven is going to be answered. Do you want to be a part of that kingdom? Few more moments. You're either being born again right now accepting Christ or you're getting right with the relationship that you have or maybe you're beginning to be thankful for what you know you have had you have had, and you're going to live like it. Come on. You can be right today. You can live right. Three kinds of people, those who are not saved, those who are saved and not living saved and those who are saved and live like it. We can all leave out of here as saved folks living saved. Just the band's going to sing just softly. Come on, a few more moments. It's not about a preacher today. I I preached as fast as I could, guys. I need you to get it, though, before you go. Everything changes when Jesus comes around. One moment will change a lifetime. Help us to believe, God. Change our hearts. Let us believe we are who you said we are. That we can do what you said we can do. more times band and then we're going to stand up and dismiss i want everybody to receive christ today if i could be thankful for anything it would be our church our church today all accepting christ all living for jesus come what may i'm god's masterpiece i believe i believe jesus If you believe it, would you stand to your feet, give God a great big hand clap of praise and say amen. Come on, do you believe it? Would you put up those closing words, please? I believe it, Jesus. The closing words to the sermon, please. You will never know, and I will never know who we were meant to be until we know who God is and the plan he has for us. We'll never know it. We will miss it. We will be like hammers trying to screw in screws and like a screwdriver trying to hammer in a nail. We'll be broken and breaking things. But when you know who God is, you will know who you are. The masterpiece of his creation. He made us last. Put his mouth next to ours. And breathed into us the soul my friends you were made for glory humanity was meant for divinity in the Trinity you were meant to experience God but now for a time we walk through the valley of the shadow of death don't forget who you are I don't know if you've watched Lord of the Rings, but they were gone so long, and the closer they got to Mordor, they forgot who they were, they forgot the shire, they forgot what the sun looked like, the taste of the air was even wicked, and I feel that so often we get in this world and we forget who we are, we forget where we've come from, we forget what God made us to be. Know God, and you'll know yourself, and you will find happiness and joy that is incomparable to this world. The Bible says in his presence is the fullness of joy. And at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Let's close out today. Lord, we thank you that you love us enough to tell us the truth. And you loved us enough to die on the cross so that we could be forgiven. May we all leave out of here as your masterpieces. In Jesus' name, can you say amen? Just one more time. Come on, amen. God bless you. Slap your neighbor high five and say, I'm the masterpiece of God. God bless you. I'm the masterpiece of God. We're going to sing this song in closing. You can come up for prayer if you'd like us to pray for you. Or you can worship. Otherwise, we'll see you at life groups. God bless you. We'll see you soon.